Hey, this is Nick Walters again with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest. And this webinar Wednesday that you'll have an opportunity to hear our interview and time together with Dion Oaks. Uh, Dion is a farmer uh, in Colorado, is now on his fourth year of growing hemp in Colorado. He's a real deal, and he's doing great work. He's growing for fiber. They have a CBD company as well they grow for. It's a totally family-run business, and they are one of the few folks that are actually growing hemp fiber for Patagonia and how you can use that fiber to get into all the things that Patagonia makes. And, and Dion does a great job of helping us understand, man, we were early on, one of the first licensees in Colorado. Here are the things that we stumped our toe on, and these are the things that we wish we knew before we got started. He shares a ton of that information with us so you don't do any toe-stepping of your own, right? So, Dion Oaks, great interview, great time together with him. Uh, welcome to our uh, latest installment of our webinar Wednesdays. This is Nick Walters, one of our founding members at the National Hemp Growers Cooperative, and we are glad to have a true blue, real live, show enough, no doubt about it, hemp grower uh, on, the, on the call with us today that is going to give us a, some great insight into uh, growing and to what it means uh, in the industry and the things that they are doing. So uh, with their farm and uh, their operations, there is a great family farm operation going on uh, in Colorado. So Dion Oaks, welcome. We're really glad you're here and uh, glad that you are able to join us and spend some time with us today on our uh, weekly installment of our webinar Wednesdays. Thanks for being here. Nick, I appreciate it so much. Appreciate you guys having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. So we ought to just let folks know that we were at NOCO a couple of weeks ago, and I was on a panel about um, uh, cooperatives and farmer associations, and Dion was the moderator for that uh, panel and that session. And he, we had three different types of models all being discussed at one time, and Dion was handling the microphone and handling the questions and keeping things flowing. It is a good job. So you set the precedent for me on how you're supposed to handle uh, being able to communicate with folks. So thank you for doing that, Dion. And I well, it was my pleasure. It was a, it was a great time. First time moderating for sure, but uh, man, it was, it was a fun time. I did that one and then another one right after that. So it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, and I met your wife and your, and your, Two of your pretty babies there, and I'll and I'll tell you, you know, um, after meeting my meeting your wife, I'm gonna tell you like people like people have told me very often, Nick, you have definitely punted beyond your coverage. Okay, so there's uh, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, make sure make sure you you keep that in mind. Okay, whenever the, whenever that comes together. So, Dion, just Bless give us sure. a, absolutely, and and we just want to talk, you know, about. Um, the good work that you do and, and the things that you were going and our folks would really love to know, you know, <clears throat> more about you and your background and kind of how you got into this and then tell more maybe about Wright Oaks Farms and what you guys are currently doing. And then, um, then we'll just talk through some more questions. And of course, we'll be glad to take questions from anybody who's online who would like to, to jump in and ask about it. So give us your, give us the Dion background as much as you're willing to share. Yes, sir. So uh, it's a father-son operation, my father-in-law, myself. Um, 
little bit about Shannon Wright, who's my partner. He was in farming for 35 plus years, large ag, uh, commercial potatoes, barley, alfalfa, that kind of stuff. And then I was uh, straight out of school, right into um, a potato seed operation. That's what I went into. That's where I was really focused. Um, I was going to go into firefighting and all this other stuff. And instead, I went right into ag. I've uh, been in it all my life. So from there, um, I really started to develop more as myself and, and individually. And I really wanted to be my own, my own boss and provide for my family and that kind of stuff. So hemp was something that was really interesting to me. I was reading a lot about it. I was learning a lot about And so I went to my father-in-law and said, hey, well, you work for somebody. I work for somebody. Let's, let's do the leap of faith and build a parachute on the way down out of that plane. And uh, let's start our own place. Um, so from that, he was like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, hemp. And um, right away, he was like, man, you're a pothead. Get out of here. And, <laughs> and I know what's going through his head is, man, this guy's about to marry my daughter. What in the world did I get myself into? But from there, it was, uh, it was great. I started learning more myself. He started doing a lot of research um, on the back end for himself, learning more about it. So from that, we jumped into it um, real small scale. We said, let's just learn the plant. Um, that kind of stuff indoor. We did a bunch of that. It was a total disaster. Uh, the first year indoor even, and it uh, was like, okay, well, let's go to 30 acres outside under pivot. Let's see what we can do. So we went outside and started doing outdoor acreage, did it all by hand. Really. We were after CBD at that time. We didn't know anything else about hemp and, uh, went outdoor and, did it all by hand after that season. My father-in-law was like, dude, never doing this again, if this is what this is about. And uh, we either put some equipment in this field or I'm out. And so I said, okay. So we pulled in with uh, the next year, um, 300 and some acres. And we pulled in and with our tractors, our drills, our 30 foot drills and said, let's go. And so we drilled it in and that's basically history from there on out. We've basically upped our acreage every single year. We did 2,500 acres of our own. Two years ago, we did another thousand on top of that um, for another customer. And then we did a uh, thousand acres last year. So we've done large acreage of hemp. Our main focus after about the third year, we've been in it for eight years now. Um, after our third year, our main focus was really like, hey, I think there's more things than other than CBD about this plant. Uh, so we started researching the fiber, the herb, the seed, all that. So the seed is what drew near to us first, um, the nutrition values, all that types of thing, because we both came from potato and wheat and barley and that kind of stuff. So we were used to doing that. So then we started focusing, we have for the last three and a half, four years now on the seed. And so we have our own uh, processing facility. And the reason that started is because when we were in it, there wasn't very many processors around. So we said, if we want to truly do this for the main goal of why we got into it was to help our farmers, um, to help our rural economy, to help our rural towns, all this type of stuff, bring more jobs. Most importantly, bring farming back to the farming families. Um, there's a lot of people getting out of farming, the older generation, the new generation is not wanting to be in it. It was bringing a spark back. Um, to the farming around where we're at and everybody in our towns were like hey <laughs> you guys go ahead and do it and if it works and we'll hop in later on so it was it's been really really great to uh 
have a lot of their support, really, even though they said that at the beginning, they're really all interested now. And so we, back to my main deal was we started processing. Uh, we built our own processing facility. We have a partnership on the CBD side with First Crop Incorporated. Uh, we have our own grain processing facility um, right next door, which is uh, my father-in-law's myself as well. It's a family operation. We have both of our wives in there. We have his sister. We have his dad. I mean, it's just total family inside there right now, but it's about time to expand some more on that side. So, and then we're interested now into uh, a lot of the fiber herd building materials, all this other type of things that we've learned about. Um, we had a project, some of us may see it, but Patagonia just came out with the video um, that was featuring our farm. We've had a very long relationship with them. But like I tell everybody, it's, I mean, it's been a wonderful journey. It's been, I've been blessed to be a part of this. And, uh, but it's most importantly, there's a lot more to learn than where we're at today. And it's, uh, everybody thinks we can jump into it and go. I mean, we've got about over 180,000 acres right here where we're at, uh, farm ground and there's every single farmer's ready to jump in and we have to put the leash on them and say, no, <laughs> some of them have done it and they've, they're not doing any more. And some of them are like, Hey, we're ready when you guys are. And that's the main thing is we need to get processing set up at scale. We need to have the outlets. And most importantly, we need to bring that money back to the farm instead sure. of like some of this, this other types of crops that have really made the farms go under. So I'm also uh, a part of the Hemp Feed Coalition here in, in Colorado as well. Um, I sit on many steering committees there. I am also the vice chair of the U.S. Hemp Growers Association, which is a uh, association focused on the farmers first um, to try to help out any way we can from all aspects of farming. So really diverse and a lot of things we're doing and any way I can help, I'm always I'm always there to help out. That's terrific. You know, uh, um, kind of working backwards from that, Morgan Elliott's going to be on next week uh, to talk about the Hemp Feed Coalition. So we're excited to, to expose part of that. And as uh, I think I may have told you, you're the chairman of the U.S. Hemp Growers Association, John Strophus, was one of our very early on um, uh, guests that we had a couple of months ago. So um, we love the idea of the things that y'all are doing in both of those groups. And for us to know more and about how our members can learn more about those things and the, particularly along the Growers Association, knowing the thing, learning the things that you know. We have a lot of people that are really wanting to get into hemp uh, or want to be a part of it, but they're, they didn't come from operations like your father-in-law, right? Or they didn't jump straight into agriculture. They're either doing this as kind of a semi-side hustle or they really like the idea of growing and being a part of that. They want to be a part of that agricultural community. <clears throat> they have drunk the Kool-Aid on the sustainability factors that, that, that hemp can bring literally to the world. And I know sometimes we say that it almost seems a little, a little cheesy, but then once we start digging into it, we realize, you know what, there really is a whole lot of stuff that can really make a difference all the way on that. So there's a ton of truth to it at the same time. So that's cool about your involvement in that, as well as just trying to run a business and raise a family and do all those things. And look, the dynamics of running a family business. I love my wife 
dearly. I treasure my children, but if I had to work with them every day, we'd all kill each other. So, I mean, there's, it's not for everybody, right? I mean, not everybody can hang with it. I can tell you the Walters family would not be, would not be hanging with it. Um, if that was the case. So hat off to you, uh, on, on pulling that together, but let's go back to when you first, um, you guys were first getting into it and you were just talking about mentioning it to your father-in-law and that first grow was not a great grow. Take us back to some of those things that you know now that you wish you would have known then that would have made a bigger difference. Is it, um, and let me just say this to kind of tee it up this way. Our mutual good friend, um, Greg Necco at, at IND Hemp came up with this thing that has been stuck in my head that I think is great. So I want to give him the, the creds for that. <clears throat> Anybody who's getting into the business, and he could have stolen this from you as far as I know, but I, I'm giving him the credit for that, is that, that three questions you ought to be asking. One is, how does this fit the growing of hemp into what I'm currently doing? Am I currently in production agriculture and this is something I'm rotating in? Is this just something that I'm adding on to? Hey, let's go try a couple of acres. Have I never done anything before? Am I just, I'd like to get into it. So how does this fit? And the second would be what grows where I am? Because we know different seed varieties do not grow at the same place all over, at least in the continental U.S. and the lower 48, right? We know that that is not the case. And then the third is, Who's going to buy whatever it is that I'm going to grow? And if, and if you can't answer those three questions, then you might really want to be thinking whether this is the right move for you. And of course, we at the co-op are trying to help answer those questions. So that's a loaded statement slash question I threw at you. But do you think that kind of follows that right pattern? And then how, if you had those three things in front of you when you first started, what kind of a difference would that have made and how would you have done stuff differently? It's a loaded question. I'll be quiet. Yeah, no, it's a lot. My brain's turning right now like crazy, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, no, that those three questions uh, hit everything right on the head um, is that's, we knew right off the bat that we were, it was going to be hard. Um, <laughs> really finding those buyers uh, because we were so early into it. Nowadays, if people are looking to get into it, it's a lot more established industry out there. Um, but like I've always said from the very beginning, you have to watch all the snakes, um, not the ones in the fields or anything like that. It's the people that are going to burn you and not follow through. And there's that touches my heart more than everything, anything out there right now is how many farmers have got burned around this crop um, and honestly, how many have possibly went under because yeah. of that one deal? Because many people came to them and said, oh, you can make millions of dollars or this, that, and the other. No, it's, it's not that. I mean, I've been in it for eight years. <laughs> I haven't seen millions of dollars at this point. Um, it's just like anything else in agriculture. So one thing we, I always mention to people is really, if you're in ag, and you've been around ag and you're, you've got a farm, established farm. Like you said, how does this fit in? Okay. Is it a single crop you're looking to do on majority of your acres? Is it a rotation crop um, that you're looking to just put into your toolbox with your other crops that you have going on? That's how we look at it is it's a rotation crop inside of our mix, meaning whether we're going with potatoes, 
um, whether we're going with alfalfa, barley, whatever it is. With that also is, if this was any other crop, meaning if you grew corn or soybean or anything else, would you be putting this into the ground right now if you didn't have a contract or if you don't have a place, if you didn't have a place to take it? And if that's saying no, then why in the world are you going to do it in the first place? So that's the first thing there is have that buyer. We always say start from the back end. Have that buyer first. Now from that, you have to make sure, okay, there's many hemp buyers out there. What is this person looking to buy? Am I going to be growing for CBD? Am I going to be growing for fiber? Am I going to be growing for grain? I mean, what does this look like? Because that buyer should be bringing to you specs and hopefully genetics um, that you can get from their trusted source to where you're going to now. So that's one thing that we always look back on is, man, we really wish we would have had people to bounce off like a lot of people are bouncing off us today uh, because we literally sourced our first uh, plants we planted inside the greenhouse where we drove eight hours and they were in somebody's basement. And I'm pretty sure they were not hemp plants, but we bought them anyway. And we said, okay. So that's one thing. And then from there, it was just like, okay, I was sourcing seed online. That was bird seed that was supposed to be sterilized. And I would get loads of it in and put it in the ground and, oh, here come a plant. So it's nowadays it's, there's actually seed companies. There's actually stuff you have to follow just like the agricultural world and that kind of stuff. But it, it's, those are the most important things that we go through with everybody is start from the back end, find that buyer first. And then also how does it fit in your rotation? I mean, what is your game plan? Are you looking to listen to these other people and say, I'm going to make millions? No, it's, how does this work? Are you looking to, are you an organic farmer that wants to do organic rotation with it? Are you um, just really focused on the environmental part and all the uses of that hemp can bring? Are you just a hemp person that loves the thought of hemp and you just want to grow it on your place now? So there's so many aspects, but most importantly, if, if it was any other crop and you were going to grow 60 acres or 120 acres of it on your farm, and if you didn't have a contract with any other crop, what's different than this? So you need to have a place to take it and a trusted person at best. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I, that's, um, of course, that's, let, let me slide a commercial in there. I mean, that's part of the reason that the co-op exists, right? Is for us to be able to, to be that trusted source so that we, we know that we've got a place for our growers to take their crop before we ever, before they ever, and they may put put plant stuff on their own that didn't have anything to do with us because they don't don't have an exclusive with us. They're not, you know, they don't have to give everything they grow to us. But if we contract with them for a certain acreage for a certain spot, of course all that's going to go back to those temperate zones, back to the back to the things you're talking about, the varieties there, right? So if we're down in our neck of the woods where I am down in Mississippi and and down in the deep south, we're not going to be doing a lot of grain. Right. I mean, there's just not going to be a lot of grain reason. And so that's why we're so focused on fiber uh, is because of um, we know that's a great opportunity for us. And of course, things we're doing in energy and that 
thing as well, too. So talk a little bit about that fiber piece and about what you're doing for Patagonia, because, you know, they, as much as you can tell us, I mean, um, they're, uh, um, uh, that's obviously a player that gets people's attention and, and people, you know, like to drop the, uh, if you're doing the Rotary Club speech about hemp and what is it and how can it be used? And, and if you're most likely going to, you know, work Patagonia in there somewhere just to add kind of legits to the, to the, to the space one way or the other. So what kind of thing are they, are, are you just getting them the, the, are you decorticating it? Or are you just sending them the fiber or if you can't talk about it, that's fine. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about something that's not germane. You're good. You're good. Okay. So yeah, no, uh, I mean, it's all, it's all open. It's an open book. Um, and, and all, all of this, it's basically, I've had a relationship with them for about over 40 years, focusing on not really fiber, honestly. It was mostly on their food side when they were starting to come out with their Patagonia provisions. Then it kind of rolled into fiber and we've got a couple places down here in the valley where we're at, where they look at sheep, the wool and that stuff, um, kind of work together with some people. So from that, it was probably about this time or a month earlier last year uh, when the state of Colorado reached out and said, hey, we've got a legitimate project um, and we're looking for somebody to grow anywhere from 300 to 500 acres uh, for this. And we just wanted to come to you and see if you're interested. And so we said, okay. And so we got more details anyway, comes around and Basically, it was it's Patagonia looking for um, really more U.S. Uh, fiber for their clothing products. Um, but along with that, we have the buyer or the yeah the person they buy from, which is in China um, right now. They're involved in this project, and. It's been great. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like hearing that China, this, that, and the other, but really they have a lot of the background that we need here in the U.S. to help us out. Um, so they've been a tremendous help. Um, hopefully we can get some data here in the next day or two. <laughs> I'm hoping the final uh, product shipped over to them last week and they're running samples right now. So we've done a lot with formation ag, um, here in Southern Colorado, they have the only U S decorticator that they built, um, and are trying to scale that. And with that, they are doing our processing of the bales first mill processing. It's not going to to China for them to do the finished product to see one grade it pretty much. How does it look? How do we think we can move forward with, over 300 acres that we grew of this that's sitting here right now. So no, but yeah, a lot of the conversation you hear is somebody's dropping Patagonia's name has been for many years of trying to give it legitimacy. And so that was my first thought. And then I was like, well, this is the state of Colorado. Um, it must be, <laughs> must be true. And then everything started to fall in place. So they, I can't say enough about how great they've been um, to work with. I mean, a lot of people hear a lot of things about that company, and it's true. I mean, they're 100% there to help, sincere, any way they can, and, and I'm really thankful for that. It's been a long journey. We took a lot of time to make 
the video and really we have a lot of money on the line right now of the acreage that we grew for them and what we got into it and the return and that stuff. But um, it, it's going to be great. It's a, just a start. Like I said earlier, this is just a start to something that can be very huge for the farmers here in the U S um, the amount that they need, not only that company, there's anywhere from 30 to 40 other companies involved in this project. Um, Patagonia just being one. So, there's going to be need for more and more amounts and more and more product um, from the farmers, but that's just for the clothing side. There's the buyer of the product in China, man, they do carpet, they do this, that, and the other stuff you wouldn't even think of that we hear there's 50,000 uses uses for. Well, guess what? They're tapped into a lot of that. So if we can work together, bring that here, that's a total, total another revenue stream for the farmer and we can expand on this big time. So are you, that's really cool to hear. And of course, when you get tired of dealing with the ones you don't want to deal with, throw them our way, right? We'll be glad to, <coughs> we'll be glad to connect them <laughs> up and, <coughs> and, and help and, and help bring part of that to the table. What did you grow the, did you grow this as kind of a dual crop? I mean, did you grow for the grain just or a sing, you just grew just for a the fiber? fiber. Just, yeah, and so did, we, did, we basically you... we basically brought in seed that they have used in the past that the buyer buys. Um, brought that in, grew it at about seven different plant rates, um, just because we were trying to see what was best. If there's fiber quality differences, that and the other. But anyway, we basically the first field we stagger planted everything the first field when it was just about ready to flower uh, we cut it and then we moved on to the next fields um, doing different stages of the plant um, to see where we were at but we're going to go with about 18 varieties this year um, in a project and we're going to go multiple different stages of the plant all the way to dual purpose crops very cool very cool but but that kind of took something off of you guys of having to tell them, well, this is the variety we think you ought to grow. And you let them tell you, this is, here's the seed, you grow it. And let's all figure this out together. Probably took a little bit off of you and some liability and concern, right? To think, oh my gosh, I've told these guys we're going to grow this. We're going to grow this particular variety. And it went, you know, it didn't, it, it, it tanked, you know. So that probably was a beneficial thing to know you were dealing with somebody who really knew what they wanted. They knew their specs. They knew what they were looking for. They may not have had it all figured out exactly, but they knew enough to know what they didn't want and some idea of what they did want makes a huge difference in when you're trying to decide who you're selling your crop to. Well, yeah, and it really, it really gave us, I guess, some peace of mind that they had some skin in the game on this. Uh, they, they shipped that seed. They, they brought it to our farm, delivered it and said, here you go. This is what we're putting into the game here. So even though we didn't have to pay for the seed directly, we still had all the other stuff that we had to do, but it was, they would, they would have been here if it wasn't for everything that was going on in the world at that time. Um, they would have been here the whole time to help us out, be by our side. I mean, they were a phone call away, a zoom away, whatever it was to help us out. So. It would have been right. a lot, really nice to have them here, <laughs> but that's where we're at. 
Cool. All right. Well, let's do some questions. All right. We've already got, can you see the, the chat box question there? Do you need me to read it back to you or are you? I think I got it here. Let me open yeah, it. Yeah, from Michael. Yeah, we got, uh, have you had any issues with pests in your fields? How are you dealing with them? Um, probably year two or three, we had some grasshopper issues. Um, that's what a lot of people have had around here. With that, we just did a cover crop uh, eight to 10 feet in, in the field or the out ex, uh, external part of the field where it kind of put a barrier there where they would go in that first and maybe they wouldn't make it all the way into the hemp. <coughs> um, that's one thing we've had. We've had some aphid problems actually last year. Uh, we had quite a bit of aphid problems. But learning along with that, there was uh, um, some major stuff with the alfalfa that was going on close by. That uh, was during one of the cuttings. They didn't have some alfalfa to go on to. So guess what? We were the only green crop that was still going. <laughs> wow. And they came in and came in and came in on one of our fields. It wasn't at first we didn't see much damage, uh, but then we learned a lot from our agronomists and other people around that they put basically it's their, their poop layer um, on that, on that leaf and it starts reflecting the sun. So we saw a lot of plants starting to really not die completely, but they were, they definitely weren't getting that photosynthesis. Interesting. Um, we've had some experience with uh, some of the uh, corn worms or whatever they're called. There's been some people that have had that. Um, that we've been around. We haven't had it personally on our farm, but we have seen some of that where it goes inside that stock and basically goes up through there and starts to tear it apart and then go into the branches of the crop and really starting to break the stock itself. So there are, I mean, at first, probably a year three or something like that, there was a lot of people, oh man, this is pest one, I didn't get on it. It's so amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And we didn't see much year one and two, but then year three, it was like, okay, here come the grasshoppers. Here come some of the other stuff we were learning about. So there's, there's, there's stuff out there that will get onto the hemp and can do some damage. Uh, it's not totally resistant. There is stuff and there's universities out there that have data now. Cool. Great question. Great answer. Anybody else on, online want to, Got a question that you want to put in the chat box or something else you want to ask while we're online? Nope. Okay. So let's just end off with this then, Dion. <clears throat> Obviously, you guys are in it. <clears throat> what is your prognostication or advice or counsel to a new grower like yourself? That is, that is answers can answer some of those initial questions we talked about, but um what are the couple of things that you would suggest uh, that they do beyond what we've already talked about? Or is, was that it? Was that, those are the questions. <laughs> um, I guess probably the main takeaway uh, for the, for the new people that are looking into it or really just thinking about hemp or even been in it, honestly, for a year or two is really have those trust, trustworthy people to work with in the industry um, from the start, having, I know it's hard um, right now. It's getting easier. I think that there's more valid players in the industry. Um, 
few years ago, it was real crazy. You didn't know who was real, who was what. And I mean, we've been there. We've been burned for quite a bit of money, crop, that kind of stuff. And, and I don't wish that upon anybody at all. So it's really vet your sources. Um, having trustworthy sources like Nick, your co-op, um, is bringing a lot of value uh, to this industry right now. Because even though there's in our neck of the woods, there's a lot, a lot of people that like the word co-op. Um, but guess what? That's, that's really what we, we, a lot of farmers right now have to rely on is those trustworthy people in industries, not just hemp, uh, it happens in other industries as well, is that they have a place to take it. They have a relationship they can trust. They have a relationship that they can, hey, go to their kitchen table and have dinner, a meal with them. Um, that's the main thing. And have that family relationship because you, as a co-op or, or any type of buyer, you're reliant on that grower. <laughs> that grower is not only a member of your co-op, but they're going to be supplying what you have to bring to the table for your buyers. Um, and so that's how we are on, on both sides is our growers, our people we buy from, they're our family, um, for number one. And if there's anything we can do to help at any time, anywhere, we are here. Um, most definitely, whether it's hopping on a zoom with them, hopping on a call. I mean, my face is probably all over the internet with how many Zoom stuff I do or, or anything I can do to help is because truly we want this industry to survive. We want it to thrive, most importantly, because if we're not bringing value um, to, as a, as a processor, if we're not bringing value to our farmer, then how do we expect that farmer to get to the next level and to have more acres of this growing? So most importantly, that's what we strive to do and thrive to do is bring that value to our farmers and have that trustworthy place to take it. So that's my Love most it. important thing. Love it. Thank you much. Thank you much. Okay. Um, I think we're going to let you get back to work. Um, we uh, just so you'll know as well, we are uh, as a way to say thank you in your honor, we're making a, little small donation to the Friends of Hemp just to, uh, in your name, just to say thanks for what you are doing there as a way. We're members of the, of, you know, of the, of the Growers Association, right? <clears throat> we also are members of the Hemp Feed Coalition because <clears throat> Morgan told me she would um, run me down and beat my head in if we didn't join. So I, I uh, didn't want no piece of that, I can promise you. So that, but that was exactly where we are, so. Thanks a bunch, man. We really appreciate you. Any parting Thank words you, other than go get them? Hmm. No, uh, I appreciate it very much. Appreciate everybody's time and uh, check out uh, the U.S. Hemp Growers Association. Check out the Hemp Feed Coalition. Great, wonderful groups to uh, bring value if you're looking to uh, get into the industry. Most importantly, it's not just the industry that wants or the association wants to bring value. We need you guys to bring value to get this all to the next level. So appreciate it very much. And Nick, appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Have a good day. Thanks. Take care. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.